game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm going to just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Welcome to Buckets, the weekly season-long head-to-head nine-category podcast brought to you by the Action Network and sponsored by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Dan Titus, joined as always by my boy, Adam Koffler. It's football season, right? We're sitting here talking about basketball. What's good, man? Yeah, this is hype. I'm so excited. Football is finally here. Still got all this basketball talk uh, going on and draft season coming up probably mid to late September. So, you know, happy uh, to help you guys find some values in your drafts. For sure. And if you guys are into fantasy football like we are, be sure to check out the Fantasy Flex with Chris Raybon and Sean Kerner. They're giving you the best fantasy football advice, plus their best picks for prize pick, single stat and fantasy points. And obviously check out the Buckets Betting Show hosted by the crew of Matt Moore, Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer every Wednesday. But yeah, Koffler, we're going to be talking about, you know, last week, if you listen to our episode, we talked about the overvalued players according to ESPN's rankings. Today, we are going to attack the undervalued guys, the ones that you need to fade the public. So if you're going into drafts, you're going to be pulling up draft boards. There's going to be a good amount of people that are in your leagues that probably didn't have much time to prep. This is where you guys win. We're going to give you a lot of the analysis of where you should be drafting these guys and where you could be finding some sneaky value in players deeper into the rankings. So, yeah, like you said, we we hit the fades last week. We're gonna find we're gonna uncover some values this week. Um, and like Dan said, it's it's not it's not that we you know totally just sit here and disagree with the people that uh, rank these players on the big sites. But there's an advantage to be had when you're you're doing your drafts in ESPN and Yahoo leagues, and those are the guys that are that are ranking those players. And that's what, that's kind of how the draft board falls. And so in order to find the values and and understand the fades, you got to understand, you know, other people's rankings outside of those, you know, main sites. And that's why we're here. So let's, uh, let's get going, man. No real disagreement with, I mean, I'm sure we could pick and choose a couple of numbers, but to me, the first name that really stands out here in value is Joel Embiid. And, you know, Joel Embiid finished 14th overall in total value last season, despite missing 21 games. So I know you'll talk about his per game basis, which is even better. But just for the name Joel Embiid, I think comes with this connotation of injury prone and missing games. But the fact that he finished 14th last season, despite playing, missing that many games, shows you how good this guy is. Joel Embiid is a late first, early second selection purely because of the ceiling. He does hurt you in turnovers Uh, because he averages over three per contest. But if Ben Simmons hypothetically doesn't report to training camp, decides to hold out whatever he decides to do, we're going to see him in a new new type of lineup, and I'm expecting it to be Maxi, Green, Theibel, and Tobias Harris alongside of him. They only played 21 minutes last season. They were plus 20 and plus minus. I think that this could be the squad that the Sixers trot out in the beginning of the season. And if the Simmons isn't there, all the usage is going to primarily go to Embiid and Tobias Harris, which I think we could be seeing potentially one of the best seasons out of Embiid, regardless who's playing the point guard. If you punt turnovers and threes, he's the third player per game overall last season. So Joel Embiid to me is a slam dunk. 
he should not be going into the mid-second round currently where ESPN has him ranked. No doubt. This is a this is a total smash. ESPN's got him ranked 19th. Uh, that's just insane. If if Ben Simmons really does hold out in the Sixers and he's not a part of the Sixers organization on the regular season, you're going to see Joel Embiid with a monster usage rate. With Ben Simmons off the floor last season, Embiid's usage rate went up 6.3% to a massive 42.8%. Like this guy is going to become the Nikola Jokic for the 76ers. We're going to see all of his stats go up uh, as long as he can handle the minutes. And obviously he's going to miss, he's going to miss some games because that's just what happens with Joel Embiid. But um, you're hoping that on a per game basis, he's a, he's a top five guy. And I, and I really think he is. So, you know, like you said, as, as the longer this Ben Simmons saga goes on, I'm, I'm, you know, higher and higher on a guy like Joel Embiid, just being the focal point of this offense he could really take that next step into an you know, absolute fantasy stardom uh, next season. Yeah. And in terms of taking the risk on of a player, that's going to miss a significant amount of games, you can always hedge that risk by taking a person that is a little bit more available, like Rashawn Holmes way later, who we'll talk about. Cause like, if you got a backup, you can always just plug and chug. It's never bad to have multiple centers, especially because it's such a premium position that there isn't a lot of value uh, going down in the depth charts, in the ranks. Uh, so you want to make sure to grab an elite center while you can. Yeah, no doubt. And if if you're if you're going to be sitting here and be comfortable with guys like Kyrie and KD, they're going to miss games too. Like, why why should you be comfortable with taking them and not comfortable with taking a guy like Joel Embiid? Totally agree. So the next guy on our list, we both agree. Paul George, 26 overall. To me, this is egregious that Paul George is sitting outside the top 20. I mean, he's a first round pick to me. And, you know, pre all-star break last year, he was averaging 50, 45 and 89. I think with Kawhi off the floor, you're looking at a potential MVP candidate right here. He, I do expect some positive regression in terms of his defensive metrics. This is the first season that he didn't average at least 1.5 steals. Um, But really what did the Clippers do other than Kawhi Leonard getting hurt to improve their team. This is his squad, and he's he's now 31. I think he's in the prime of his career. He doesn't really he, – he had his highest assist percentages last year. His highest true shooting percentage, which measures your twos, your threes, and your free throws. I think that this is like prime opportunity for Paul George to just go off. So I'm not leaving a draft with him going beyond 12. I think ESPN had it wrong here, having him go outside. They have him as a third rounder right now, which he's not going to be available in the third round if anyone's playing savvy fantasy basketball. I pray that ESPN just forgot that Kawhi had the ACL injury. <laughs> and yeah. that's why Paul George is sitting at 26, because you're right. There's there's no reason to rank him outside of your top 15. And that's probably his floor, right? Is like 15th overall. It's just like, his efficiency metrics, uh, he averaged a career high 5.2 assists per game as kind of the you know primary ball handler in the in the backcourt for the Clippers. You're going to see some of the some of the efficiency metrics go up, and like you said, like he should average more steals next season. You know, despite the fact that he's aging, I think just the amount of time he's going to see on the floor, you're going to see some of those numbers go up. And for the love of God, please don't worry about Eric Bledsoe. Don't look at Eric Bledsoe and be like, yeah, he's going to take away from Paul George's fantasy goodness. Absolutely not. PG-13 is going to play a ton of games. He's not going to rest because there's no Kawhi. 
yeah, so all in a Paul George's season. And uh, so for the next guy, man, we're, the 20s is really where the I think there's a lot of good value here. The next guy we're going to talk about is Fred Van Vliet. He's currently ranked 29. Coffer, tell me a little bit more about Fred Van Vliet and why this is a steal. He finished 16th on a per-game basis last season, and he's very bad at one thing. So if your strategy is punting field goal percentage, Fred Van Vliet all of a sudden becomes like a top five value that you can possibly have in the third-ish round based on where you know ESPN is ranking him right now at 29. Kyle Lowry's gone. So this is this is Fred Van Vliet's backcourt. He's going to share it with you know Scotty Barnes uh, and Malachi Flynn. So you're you're looking at a guy whose numbers across the board are likely to go up, and if he can get that field goal percentage a little bit higher, even though you might be punting it like that, that that can only help you, you know, in the long run. But you may you may think he already broke out. I think he could break out even more next season. Yeah, I mean, his, his usage rate went up to 25% with Lowry off the floor last year. His turnovers were down, and he quietly added blocks to his, his repertoire. I mean, he averaged 0.7 despite shooting the worst true shooting percentage of his career. All I see is a fantasy star emerging that could be the top scorer and distributor for the Raptors next season. So to me, I, I would take him in the second round. I wouldn't even wait for him to go to the third depending on what strategy you're, you're trying to deploy. It's going to feel really weird taking Fred Van Vliet over, you know, some of the OGs like LeBron. And this is crazy to think about, but if you're going, if you're going to punt field goal percentage strategy, I would consider Fred Van Vliet over Anthony Davis. Yeah. Like if you're just totally punting field goals, like that, that is a, that is a possible thing that you would do in the second round. Yeah. So let's go to the next guy we got. We're going to go a little bit deeper here. Number 47 ESPN has Michael Porter Jr. Tell me a little bit more about Michael Porter Jr. Why you expect him to exceed this current ranking. This current ranking is outrageous. It's like ESPN and Yahoo kind of forgot who Michael Porter Jr. was with Jamal Murray off the floor. Jamal Murray tore his ACL in April. Based on that, he's not likely to be back until like at the earliest January, February figure after the All-Star break, you know, have him ramp up. By that time, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a star for the Nuggets, you know, alongside Jokic. Those, those two are just going to eat up all the usage. He finished 27th overall uh, on a per-game basis last season, and that was with Jamal Murray for, you know, half the year, a little bit more than half the year. He does everything right, does everything well, especially if you're, if you're, if you're implementing a punt assist strategy. Michael Porter Jr. is like a top seven, eight, nine guy in that build. So I'm all in on Michael Porter Jr. this season. Think of him as like a, a Chris Stapps Porzingis type, but an even better shooter uh, than Chris Stapps. And we'll talk about Chris Stapps a little bit later, but he's also a top 30 you know, type guy on a per game basis. Yeah, I'm all in on MPJ as a potential second round pick. I doubt Murray will be seeing regular minutes until late in the season as they start to ramp up for the playoffs. I mean, coming off an ACL injury, they're going to need him. It was obvious they needed him in the playoffs, so I think they're going to prioritize that. Other guys that might benefit from this punt assist strategy that you were just alluding to on a per-game basis are really like Rudy Gobert, Miles Turner, Clint Capella, really any big man. But MPJ, to me, when you're doing this type of 
of build or strategy, punt strategy. He's actually more of a Durant if you punt uh, the same categories, assistant steals. Uh, he finished number two overall last season, according to Yahoo rankings. So I think you could probably pair those two together and you would have a really, really good squad, uh, Durant and, and MPJ, if you wanted to go those guys in the first two rounds. But yeah, let's kick it to the breakout star alert. We've talked about him at length already, but let's just hammer the point home here. Why should OG and Anobi be ranked higher than 50 going into what could be his best season yet? I'm hoping we talk about him so much that his ADP gets up to like top 30. Like I, I hope that we have that kind of influence, man, because Hell this yeah. man gets, does not get the respect he deserves. And, and this could change, right? If Pascal Siakam is deemed healthy for the start of the season, I'm cooling a little bit on Ananobi. But with Siakam out likely for, you know, a month or so with the torn labrum, you know, Ananobi's looking like a, like a breakout star. Uh, in his last 19 healthy games last season, he averaged 19.1 points, three three-pointers, almost six rebounds, and almost three assists per game. We talked with uh, Scott the King Angle of uh, The Athletic and Roto Baller on uh, the Stretch 4 podcast over the summer. He called him Kawhi Light. Like, you don't call just anybody Kawhi Light. So, love the defensive metrics, uh, love the efficiency, and I love the opportunity he's going to have with Kyle Lowry no longer there and Pascal Siakam out for likely a month or so. So, uh, all aboard the OG Ananobi train this season. Yeah, the last report I read on Siakam was that he had a five-month timetable for recovery. And that would place him around November 15th. So the NBA season would have already started at that point. But that's assuming everything goes right, right? So, you know, I think that there's still good value in OG picking up significant minutes in the first month of the season. And that's the biggest upside to me that I think we see is that when Nick Nurse trusts you, you get minutes. Fred Van Vliet and Siakam both were in the top seven in minutes per game played last year. I think we'll see OG creep up into that same category, especially with Siakam off the floor initially. But more importantly, man, I, I took a look at one of the comparison charts between is OG Ananubi really close to Kawhi Leonard? Because I really wanted to like validate that comparison. And if you look at an age versus production chart, the trend line is actually really crazy. The only difference between them is that Kawhi has a slight edge in PER, your player efficiency rating, and rebounds. Everything else is like identical. So that trend line is, is sitting right there at age 24. So the biggest difference in age 24 was that Kawhi jumped from 15 points a game to 21. Who's to say Ananobi can't do that, just given the fact that he's going to have those minutes there available for him. And if you look at his per 36 numbers, they're sitting right there. Um, And so he made the jump from 35 spots from 2019 to 2020. His usage rate went up by five points, went from 14 to 19. All I'm seeing is great opportunity and upside for a guy to break out. So I know we talk about him a lot and obviously temper expectations if Siakam recovers very quickly and he winds up starting the beginning of the season, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to get really good value on OG Ananobi at number 50 if you're playing in ESPN or Yahoo formats. Yeah, so ESPN's got him at 50. Like you said, Yahoo's initial pet first initial pass on Yahoo's rankings, they got him at 64. Oh my God. So it's, it's even, even worse. worse? So, right, so if you're playing on Yahoo, if you're playing on Yahoo there, this this man might be really down the board. Jesus. And you know, you, <laughs> you can make a case for him in the early third. Damn, that's that's wild. I didn't think Top it could get worse. 30 guys. Like, yeah, for ge- sure. I'd say generally speaking, I would say that Yahoo has more consistent, at least I find their rankings to be a bit more accurate, but 
wow, they got that one real wrong. So for the next guy we're going to talk about, I like this guy a lot. I don't know that basketball pundits really do, but I have a lot of faith in him coming into this season with a new head coach. It's Brandon Ingram at number 55. In 2019, he finished at 35. Had a bit of a a decline in a couple categories last season that dropped him to 51. It was primarily his dip in rebounds, but he did have an uptick in assists. Now, the thing that I love about Brandon Ingram, though, 28% usage rate over the last two seasons. Stan Van Gunny's a defensive-minded head coach, and they didn't play a lick of defense, so that's why he's out of there. Willie Green, though, he did wonders, and you know a lot of basketball stands really love Willie Green and what he did in his time in Phoenix. I think we saw a little precursor to what we can expect out of this offense. Their squad got a lot younger. They got rid of their dead weight in Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, and Steven Adams. This team is going to be young, fun, and running and gunning. And when that happens, all I'm seeing is that Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, their value is going to skyrocket as a result. Um, I think there's going to be more opportunities to get assists for Brandon Ingram as well as stretch the floor and get more shots off. There's a very good chance that we're going to see him increase his points, rebounds, and assists this season. I'm thinking he could get upwards to 24, 25 points per game with six rebounds and six assists. That is not a top 55 player. That is a top 30, top 20, top 30 player, um, depending on the efficiency metrics. But yeah, I think that Brandon Ingram is going to be a stud here. He's going to be the 1A and 1B in New Orleans. It's going to be their show, him and Zion, and he's going to be a beast. So make sure you try to grab him a little bit earlier than that. I think B.I. is super slept on just because like he's not he's not an extremely marketable guy. And you had Lonzo there with Zion last season. Lonzo's obviously gone. But like between Lonzo and Zion, like the, the marketability of those two players just like naturally pushes them up draft boards a little bit. And yeah, for th- that might sound crazy to, to say that, but I really think that's that's like part of it. But you have to like take a step back and realize like. Brandon Ingram is going to be one of the focal points of this offense and probably have a little bit more responsibility as a ball handler. So those, those assist absolutely. numbers could absolutely go up. Yeah. And you know, I, I just like that a lot. I think with Devontae Graham there now, he's less of a, a primary ball handler. So I, I definitely think B.I. has got some potential and, and 55 is a little bit too low for him. Yeah, so the next guy, we're staying in the 50s here. We I kind of alluded to value that you could be getting in somebody like Rashawn Holmes. So, Crawford, talk to me about Rashawn Holmes. This one just seems too easy, man. Like, I, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, yes, the Kings signed Tristan Thompson to back him up. Tristan Thompson isn't a good basketball player. Like, let's, <laughs> let's just be honest. Like, like Boston starting Tristan Thompson over, over Robert Williams last season, just atrocious decision-making. It's been downhill since he left LeBron, let's be honest. Okay, I mean, he's like very... LeBron, LeBron, make, LeBron makes people better, and he That's got true. Tristan Thompson a bag, and then he got a Kardashian, and it's been shit <laughs> ever since. Speaking of a bag, Rashawn Holmes got his bag. He signed a four-year, $55 million contract extension uh, in April, which is actually very, very affordable for a guy like Rashawn Holmes. Like Brandon Ingram, is just like super slept on from a from a basketball and a fantasy basketball perspective. 42nd on a per-game basis in 2019, first year with the Kings. Second year with the Kings last season was 35th on a per-game basis. And now ESPN is going to sit here and rank him 59th. Like, that's that just shouldn't Criminal. be the case. Like, he should he, – if anything, he should be ranking him higher. Like, he, he could be 30. But, I, you know, it's hard to get him there. There's a lot of players I like, you know, 
over Rashawn Holmes. But if you're punting three pointers, this guy would have been ranked 17th on a per game basis last season. Like that's, that's insane. And he averaged a career high 29 minutes per game. I think he can get up to, into the, into the low thirties this season, just based on what he's done there in Sacramento. And, and I think they're really like backing him as you can see with the contract extension. So I, I think this is the guy that, that I personally will be building around um, particularly if I'm punting the three pointers. Yeah, he's one of those centers that if you don't get the the Gobert's, the Capellas of the world, he is a viable, really solid center position. So he doesn't really hurt you in a lot of categories. He's just a really solid player, and he's only seemingly getting better. He got the bag. Hopefully, he plays more motivated. I think Sacramento should be better, but who knows? Until they really get rid of their bums and Bagley and <laughs> – and uh, Buddy Heald, the disgruntled player, I think we're. I think they're still going to see a very good Sacramento fantasy relevant team uh, because they do play a, ha- a fast pace. They're typically getting blown out because they don't play very good defense. So there's always metrics to go around in Sacramento. When you're looking at your best at your fantasy basketball lineup and Rashawn Holmes plays that night, I promise you, you will never be disappointed. Like it's always going to be a situation where you're like, okay, Rashawn Holmes is playing. I won't do bad in field goal percentage. I won't do bad in free throw percentage. I won't do bad in turnovers. I won't do bad in blocks. Like, yep. so again, if you're, if you're, if you're building your team on this strategy of punting the three pointers, like Rashawn Holmes is an incredible value. So just keep that in mind. If you're punting three pointers, you, you almost like 100% want Rashawn Holmes on your team. Like no yep. ifs, ands, or buts about it. Right. Yeah. To have him at 59 right now is, just that's just wrong it's just wrong just wrong uh so let's go to your next guy uh chris that porzingis and i I have to agree man on a per game basis porzingis is a beast they do have a new coach and jason kidd in dallas i don't does that unlock porzingis to be a better real player but i know one thing fantasy wise the guy is still money so talk to me about porzingis yeah, this is stupid too. This ranking, seventy nine. Are you kidding me? <laughs> at least Yahoo, Yahoo's with it and put him at thirty five. I think I have him at thirty three in my initial rankings. But like I talked about him, kind of like a Michael Porter Jr. type. I mean, he's a he's a you know twenty something points, eight nine rebounds, a couple assists. Got the defensive stats. Shoots you know forty seven, forty eight percent from the field. Never turns the ball over. I think he's a, I think he's averaged like one point three turnovers for his career or something like that. Like. For the amount of usage that he has, he doesn't turn the ball over because he doesn't dribble that much, just like Michael Porter Jr. And for fantasy basketball, that's that's exactly what you're looking for. You're looking for all the, the guys that put together those stat lines and don't turn the ball over. A guy like John Collins comes to mind, but John Collins is ranked much higher because he's, he's got the, the the name associated with him. And so does Porzingis, but like people forget about him because Luke is there. But as you said, on a per game basis, like this guy's finishing 22nd last season, 15th the season prior to that with the Mavericks. So why is he 79 all of a sudden? Because he misses games, but but so do other guys that are ranked way higher. So you can't necessarily, you know, ding a guy for injuries if he's not going to the season hurt. So I'm not dinging Chris S. Porzingis for missed games uh, in previous seasons. Yeah, he was coming off an injury at the beginning of last season. So I remember in our competitive league, you had him. You picked him up at a really good spot where you stashed him on IR, waiting for him to come back, and then he just propelled your squad to the, the, that next level. And I, he's coming into the season healthy-ish, so I, I have no reason to dock him down my rankings for that because when he's on the floor, he's productive. So that's how I'm going into the season. 
I'm expecting him to be better. He bitched and moaned about not getting the ball enough in the playoffs. I feel like to some degree, Luca's going to get him more involved because they need to get him more involved to make it work. So uh, I think this is going to be a good spot for Porzingis to uh, really put up numbers. So I, I love the the value that you're getting him currently ranked at 79 on ESPN. No doubt. So taking it back to Sacramento, Tyrese Halliburton is ranked number 90 overall by ESPN, and I'm not feeling it. He finished 65 overall per game average last season. Yahoo pre-ranked last season, he was 133. So this guy exceeded expectations by far last year. And that yet ESPN still has him at 90. You know, yeah, he benefited a little bit by Fox being off the floor when he had COVID. Buddy Heel still is there. But the kid really showed to me why he could be like a Malcolm Brogdon type player. In his rookie season, 58.5 true shooting percentage. He contributes defensively with a steal and a half of blocks a game. He averaged 30 minutes a game on an 18% usage rate. To me, and as a rookie, like I'm, I feel great about that. The coaching staff loves him. I think that he's going to probably see minutes into the 30s yet again. And if Buddy Heald can get out of there along with Bagley, I think they'll probably be packaged together because that's the only way that either one of them are going to be able to actually find a suitor. I think there's a good chance he could creep up into top 40, top 50 conversations here. So at 90, if you were decide to like go focus on other positions. He's a point guard that you can get real late that can still contribute in a lot of statistical categories. His one downside is his rebounds. But again, he was a rookie last year. I'm expecting some kind of uh, progression over the course of this season. And again, with the tempo of this squad, there's a lot of fantasy value in Sacramento, even if their team sucks in real life. Right. Always project forward, always project, especially when a rookie comes in and has the success that he had his rookie season, like his assist to turnover ratio, super impressive. We talked about this a lot during the season last year. Uh, rookies just don't come out and, and uh, you know, handle the ball like that without turning the ball over. So I expect a lot of uh, positive uh, regression for Tyrese Halliburton just across the board and, you know, sitting there at 90 is a little bit ridiculous. Yahoo's a little bit more with it, uh, having him around, you know, mid-50s, I think. Probably has a ceiling of about uh, 45 or 50. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a guy I like, too. I, I, I agree with you there. On to the next one. We're sticking in the 90s territory. Derek White, another guy you're super high on. And I mean, it's, why not, right? There's literally... Who's left in, in San Antonio right now? It's like DeJounte Murray. Oh, wait, they picked up Primo. Yeah, Josh Primo's hoagies. Yeah, yeah. Josh <laughs> Shout Primo's out Philly. Like, yeah, I feel like that's got to be a good fantasy name. They reached on a guard when they already had Derek White there. Keldon Johnson's there coming off the the Olympic campaign. We'll probably have a pretty good season. But talk to me, talk to me about Derek White, man, because I, I think that he's going to probably have a really good season and having him at 92 overall right now. Uh, if you can grab him there, you are winning. There must be like injury baked in there. But, you know, he's, he's expected to start the season healthy. He missed 36 games last season, so maybe ESPN and Yahoo kind of forgot about him. Uh, maybe they also forgot that DeMar DeRozan is now not in San Antonio. But in his last four healthy games a season ago, 21.5 points, five rebounds, 5.3 assists, one steal, one block, and just .8 turnovers. What? A guy that, that's handling the ball that much shouldn't turn the ball over only .8 times per game. He had three total turnovers in four games, and he averaged 35 minutes a game. And he doesn't turn the ball over on his career. That's super impressive. This is the guy, 
we're talking about Tyrese Halliburton. Let's like Derek Derek White is going to be better than Tyrese Halliburton, and he's ranked lower uh, by ESPN. Give me like I don't know Derek White. We could be talking about a top forty guy. Guess what? Derek White could put together a better fantasy season in 2021-22 than LeBron James, and that's not even that hot of a take. It's a little hot. No, but- it's not. It's not. <laughs> you have LeBron like what forty ish. I'm just like sort of a LeBron hater at this point. Like. I, lo- I like LeBron. LeBron, the player, has done ridiculous things for the NBA and for basketball in general. But we're talking about just from a fantasy basketball perspective. LeBron's going to miss games. LeBron's got to share the backcourt with Russell Westbrook. AD still has to get his. Like, I see a, I see a big-time decline in LeBron's back across the board this season, like we've never seen before. It's gonna be, he's going to be more of a team player, right? He's going gonna to sit out games. And Derek White's an ascending player who's looking to cement himself as, you know, the top guy in San Antonio, you know, 1A, 1B with DeJounte Murray. So we just have to, like, just we have to project forward instead of looking back and being like, oh, this is what Derek White did. Oh, he only did this. So, you know, maybe he's only probably going to do this this season. Like, think about the potential, the untapped potential that Derek White brings. Yeah, I'm just curious if he's going to be the the second or third part of the offense, like. I think Keldon Johnson is going to take a step up this year as well. And DeJounte Murray, we know what his pedigree already is. So agree. Definitely great value if you're if you're scooping him up somewhere in this nineties territory. But yeah, the health concern, but I don't I don't think that he's gonna last this long. Once once we start getting the mock draft season, I think we'll start seeing Derek White falling off the board a lot quicker. And if you look back to our first episode when we we're talking about the fan tracks, industry mocks, all of the guys that we're talking about today have all went way well before where ESPN has them ranked. So if you want to check that out, go back to that. Um, you can certainly check out those rankings so you can get a little insider view of what the experts are doing in their respective drafts. So I'm, I'm with you there. So to close out, man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it off with uh, Time Lord Robert Williams at 125 this man inked a deal four-year 54 million dollar extension to stay in boston ranking him i mean he's got a he got the bag just like rashawn holmes essentially and he only averaged 18.9 minutes per game last season which is crazy however if he finished 69 overall in only 19 minutes per game his per 36 averages come out to 15 13 with three assists three blocks and 1.6 steals with a high field goal percentage to me that's fantasy gold and Right now, to have him at 125, that's assuming that like Al Horford is going to like actually be Al Horford. But we know who Al Horford is. He's the guy that took off almost all of last season in Oklahoma City. He was garbage for the Sixers. And like he came back to Boston because he likes it. He's going to be the veteran guy in the locker room. He's not going to be eating at a guy that just got a four year, $54 million extension. Follow the money, Robert Williams. He's, his nickname is Time Lord. Be just, just do better and don't draft. He's not going to be around, but this guy could be a top forty guy, even if he gets minutes into the mid twenties to late twenties. He doesn't need thirty minutes to be an effective fantasy player because he does literally everything. So, I think he's one of the most promising big men that they have that we have in in basketball, especially fantasy basketball. So make sure you prioritize him as a mid round selection and not in round 10. Yeah, bro. This was one of those rankings where like they got to like 124, then they like stopped doing it. 
and then and then they <laughs> forgot they forgot right. to move they, they forgot, forgot a to couple put, names <laughs> <laughs> they forgot to put robert williams like up in like the you know 50s or something <laughs> just because like right. they you know they forgot he was down there but you know that's happened to me when i'm doing my rankings and i get to like you know number 226 and i'm like oh like oh you know i kind of forgot about uh cole anthony why is cole anthony 226 he should be like 126 i don't know but that's that's definitely what happened with Robert Williams because yeah. he's going to be a top fifty guy. Yeah, I agree. And I just want to give a shout out to Reggie Jackson who was came in at one sixty one. I think he's another one that got kind of got caught in that. Oh snap! I forgot that there's people buried this deep into my rankings, as well as Isaiah Stewart on the Detroit Pistons who was ranked at one twenty eight. Um, I think both of those guys should easily be drafted in twelve team leagues and currently at that draft position, at that draft ranking, they wouldn't be. So, um, yeah, make sure you grab those dudes as well. All right, so that will conclude our show for this week. Make sure you check back in with the Buckets podcast next week where we'll be going over our top 150 rankings. And make sure you check out the Buckets podcast on Wednesdays with Matt Moore, Brandon Anderson, and Raheem Palmer. If you're into betting, as I'm sure you are, make sure you're checking out and using the Action app. And where can they find you on Twitter? Find me at Adam Koffler on Twitter, writing some stuff for uh, Roto Baller and the Game Day, uh, some Fantasy Pro blurbs as well. Just kind of all my stuff can really be found on Twitter, so just follow me there, and I'll be more than happy to help you uh, answer any questions you've got uh, as draft season quickly approaches. Definitely, man. We're only a few weeks away, and you can find me at Dan Titus on Twitter. So until next week, y'all, we'll talk to you. Peace.